Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Aplastic Anemia and MDS International Foundation 35th Anniversary Podcast. As we look back over 35 years of both service to the bone marrow failure community and advances in treating these diseases, we're taking a moment to check in with patients, caregivers, and physicians who have experienced combating bone marrow failure diseases. Today, I'd like to introduce Marissa Amuso. Marissa was diagnosed with aplastic anemia in 2000 when she was only in second grade. She was also one of the first to undergo a haploidentical bone marrow transplant at the NIH, or National Institutes of Health, in 2011, and is now an RN working in the dialysis unit. Uh, Kim Estep, after um, Marissa's diagnosis, her mom established and raised funds for the Marissa Anamuso Research Fund at AAMDSIF, which previously helped fund a plastic anemia research for Dr. Lisa Minter. Hello, Marissa. Hi. Okay, Marissa, um, I'd like to ask you a question. Um, when You were so young when you were diagnosed. Did the nurses or doctors help you understand what was going on as you did the first treatment? And what was the first treatment that uh, you had? Um, my first treatment I had was actually at the NIH. I had horse ATG. And I was very lucky to have doctors and nurses that explained everything for me through the way because I was very, very scared and I was very homesick to be in Washington when I live in upstate New York. So I was just very, very wanted to go home. I wanted to be with my doctors at home, but NIH always made me feel welcomed, and it is a place like home to me. <laughs> oh, that's great to hear. And then in 2011, you had your haploidentical um, marrow transplant. Um, what was that like to participate in the groundbreaking research at the NIH? Um, it was an experience. I was very nervous. Um, luckily, right before I had my transplant, I got to talk to someone who had um, the same transplant six months before me. So it was kind of like a little less nerve-wracking, but I just went into the transplant knowing that this is like my last chance. So I just had to give all the faith to the doctors and nurses and just try to do everything I could, what they told me. I followed all the directions just because... That was my last chance, basically. They weren't giving me too much time wow. to live after that. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And and who was your caregiver during this time? Um, my mom. My mom was with me every step of the way, from the first time I got sick to my transplant, everything. Every hospital stay, my mom was with me. Oh, that's great. That's great. Did you have siblings that you tested for some similarity um, before you went through the the, tra the uh, haploidentical transplant? Yeah, my sister, my only sister, um, she was a half match. So that's why years ago they never did a bone marrow transplant. Right. So a 100% match. And then you were able to get one. That's wonderful. Yep. So um, another question for you. Um as you went after your initial treatment, when you were um, 
eight and nine years old. Uh, mm-hmm. What was the most difficult thing for you uh, after your first treatment when you when you were getting better after being treated treated with ATG? Um, the hardest thing was well, besides being away from home, I guess like my friends were very question like they had a lot of questions. They didn't know what was going on because they haven't seen me. They didn't know if I lost my hair. They didn't know. They were really confused as I was too. Plus, I had um, the Hickman in my neck, so that was a little bit different because that's where they gave me my treatment from. So it was just different to um, be that young and have all these changes going on because you just wanted to be a normal kid. Well, I'm sure that now you're doing much better after your your transplant um, that you had as an as a young adult. Um, yep. Do you? What do you wish someone had told you when you were a child, if anything? And what do you wish that someone had told you as you were preparing for your transplant? Um, I wish as a child someone would have told me that things were going to get better in the future because I had a lot of, after every treatment I would do, because I had multiple treatments of ATG, it was like, I got all my hopes up to get better, and I, I never did. But I know there's light at the end of the tunnel, so just keep going no matter how hard things get. And as a young adult, I guess, going through my transplant, it was just hard for me to stop my life when everyone else's life was going on. And I just wish that I knew, like, someone told me, it's going to get better. It's going to get better. I know I heard it every day, but I didn't believe it. And things are better now. <laughs> so you're leaving. You're leading a normal life. Yep, pretty much. That's wonderful. And I didn't know what normal was. <laughs> you didn't know what normal was. Nope. For all those years, I was just a sick kid. Wow. But you made it. Yep. That's wonderful. Is there anything else that you would like to tell patients? In your similar situation? Um, Just take one day at a time and always just try your best, even though um, the doctors might suggest to do this and that, and you might not agree with it. They do know what's best, so just keep going. (laughs) Well, that's wonderful. Well, I appreciate your time today, Marissa. Yeah, thank you. And um, I, I continue to wish you the best. Thank you. Um, And thanks to everyone for listening today. There's more to come. You can find more information on aamds.org with all of our other podcast recordings. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye.